Amen. Hey, last week we started a series, a new series for Christmas. It's called Wonder. Pastor DJ did an incredible job opening us up, giving us an introduction of, of the series. And um, if you didn't go, if you weren't here, go to our YouTube channel and look up Shine Church CEO for Colorado, and you will find all of our messages, and you can uh, catch up with us by listening to that message. He basically talked about three main things about wonder. The first one is this, that we are created to have wonder. We are created to have wonder and awe in us. Would you agree with that? Okay, guys, help me out here. Would you agree? Okay, what does that mean? It means that there is something in us, and I, I don't think I'm different from anybody else in this room, but there's something in me that wants to be amazed, that wants to be uh, filled with awe. I, there's certain things that, you know, when, when life happens, some of the, my greatest moments in my life has been when something wonderful has happened and something amazing, something that goes beyond my comprehension. And it can be uh, something that happens to me, or it could be something that even happens to one of my kids when they're amazed at something. And then I get to reflect, oh my gosh, that really brought them joy. And we'll be talking about that in a little bit. And here's what I was thinking about that, that point that Pastor DJ brought up last week. If we are created to have wonder, and in Genesis, it says that we are created in whose image? If we're created in God's image, and in us there's, there's a need or a want for awe and wonder, then that means that in God, there's a need or a desire or he's filled with wonder. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought, I'm sitting in my hot tub, soaking, praying for this weekend's message, and all of a sudden I had this idea of wonder, and I'm like, I am sitting in 104 degree water, water and I am amazed at this right now. Anybody have those little things that bring great joy? But you started to take them for granted? And I actually was like, oh, Lord, thank you for this. This is absolutely amazing. And I started to think, hey, if I'm created in your image and you have wonder, all of a sudden these verses started coming into my mind. You know there's verses that say that God sings over you? There's, he sings, your Father in heaven, the King of kings, Lord of Lord, sings over you. Could it be that God is looking around on the earth, looking at all of us, just waiting for those moments where we do something amazing, and he goes, oh my gosh, Gabriel, Moses, come around, check this out. He finally gets that the hot tub is pretty amazing. I make light of that, but yes or no? If we're created in his image, then part of his image is he wants the wonder and awe. And I just, I, I, I bring it back to Myself as a parent, I, there is nothing greater than when my kids are absolutely enjoying a gift that we've given them or they're accomplishing something that God created them to be. Parents, yes or no? And if we're that way, the, the word of God says that we who are sinners, if we love our kids that way, how much more does our heavenly father love us? And so my prayer for the next two weeks heading into Christmas is that you would have this understanding that you have a father that sings over you, that knows the number of hair on your head, and he is looking at you and, and is filled with wonder and awe at what you do and what you get and what you comprehend. And I know somebody might be thinking, well, I don't, I'm not doing very good. You know what? He, he, I think he dismisses all of that and just catches those good things. We reflect on so much negative stuff. Yes? 
And so then we project that on him. I don't think that's how he is at all. Would you agree? That's a hard one to agree because if you say, yes, I agree, that means that God is then looking at all of your good attributes and he just pushes all your negatives aside. But that's hard for us in this world to grab, comprehend. But he has wonder and he has awe of you. Then DJ said that the um, wonder, we lost the wonder um, in the garden. And then he said that Jesus actually came and bought it back. And I was reminded of John 10, 10, which says this, that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, which is exactly, if, if we're made in his image and part of his image is to have wonder and awe, then it's no wonder that Satan would come and try to steal that away from God's children. Yes. And do you know why? Oh, get this. Do you know why he stole it away from us? He didn't steal it away because he wanted to hurt you. He stole it away because he wanted to hurt God. Oh, man, are you, are you getting that? Think about this. As a parent for your kids, what would you rather have? Somebody hurt you or somebody hurt your kid? You would want it on you, right? But what does an enemy do? Goes after your kid because they know that's going to hurt you more. And so here, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy and steal that wonder away from God's creation. Why? Because he was trying to hurt the Father. He's trying to hurt the Father. But in his infinite wisdom, he knew, okay, I've got a plan. He sends Jesus. We celebrate it at Christmas time. And John 10, 10 says, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, but I came to give life and life in, in abundance. You guys must go to a good church. You guys all knew it. That's good. What does abundant life look like? Man, abundant life. That's what God wants. And I was thinking about that this week. You know what? When I have abundant life, I've just been thinking this week, most of the time that I feel like I have abundant life, and we're not talking about financial provision. We're talking about where you're just enjoying life. I am finding a direct correlation to me enjoying life with something wonderful or something awe-inspiring that has happened in my life. And because I'm walking in that awe, because I'm awestruck, because I'm filled with wonder, guess what? I feel at that time that, oh man, this life is good. Yes? Is that making sense? So this week, here's what I want to talk about. What does wonder look like? What does wonder look like? Quick interaction question. When you think about somebody that's filled with wonder, what type of person comes to mind? Childlike. Thank you. Last night was the first answer. Today it's the first answer. I think everybody has an understanding that especially at Christmas time, there is nothing like a little child when it comes to seeing wonder in somebody, embodied in somebody, yes? And so um, I really felt like the, the Holy Spirit was leading me to direct um, this service um, to that element, all right? In Luke chapter 18, now I'm going to read a section of scripture here that is found in Matthew, in Mark, and in Luke. And here's what's interesting about this is that when I looked up the different references for what I'm about to read, 
uh, you know, one of the most important things you can do when you're reading your Bible is to put it in context. And in all three cases, the context of this section of Scripture is that there is no context. It is really strange. I, I mean, as a matter of fact, in Mark and Luke, um, the, the information right before this section of Scripture has to do with taxes. And uh, you remember the story where uh, Jesus tells the disciples to go get a fish and pull a coin out and give it to, to Caesar? That's what is exactly right before this section of Scripture. They, at least, maybe you have some correlation and understanding in regards to why they're together, but I just don't see it. There's just no context. It just jumps right from that into this. And it says, people were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. <clears throat> but Jesus called the children to him and said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Anybody heard this before? Okay. Have you ever heard it with the weight of what Jesus says next? Listen to what he says. Truly I tell you, anyone, who is that, anyone? It's everybody, right? Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. I've read this for years and years and years, and I don't know until this week if I've really read it with the weight of that word never. Anyone that does not enter the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Would you guys agree that Jesus is trying to get something very important across to us? <laughs> Some of you won't agree to it because you know what it means. Would you agree? Yes. He's trying to communicate something to us very important. And so I got to thinking, okay, so what's the best way to do this? Because to be quite honest with you, I, I find myself... Um, troubled by this scripture because in a lot of my life, I do not act childlike. I'm a grown-up, mature, adult man, and I'm not acting very kid-like. I mean, if we're supposed to go look at kids and then go, okay, unless I come to the kingdom like they do, I'm not doing a very good job. Anybody else? So I thought the best way to actually maybe show us what this might look like is to actually interview some kids and get a glimpse of what Christmas looks like through the eyes of children. And so I'm going to invite Adam and June and Noah Larson to come up here. Give them a big hand. DJ, can I get that mic? Do you guys just real quickly want to say hi to everybody? Hi. hi. All right, let me tell you my relationship with, with these three wonderful children. Um, about a year and a half ago, a family moved into our cul-de-sac, and it happened to be this family. Uh, these three moved their parents into our neighborhood. <laughs> Stephen and Joanne are actually our kids' pastors, and it's awesome that you guys even get to be in the service right now. Um, and so... Um, here's, here's what Kim and I have experienced. Our, our, our children, who happen to be right here, are 25 and almost 23 years old. And so um, we, have, we have 
been pulled apart and, and away uh, for several years now from this type of wonder and awe that comes in kids. And one of the things that Kim and I um, are amazed at is just the life that these three kids have. We sit on our front porch and we watch these guys come out of their house and start playing with other kids in the neighborhood and they are all in. <laughs> they are all in. I will be mowing my grass and Adam will come out of his garage and see me and what will you say? I will run over them. <laughs> and what you'll run over and what? I had you. Yeah, you hug me. And then what do you say about the neighborhood? It is fun with you. <laughs> <laughs> What's the best part about being in our neighborhood? Um, you. Yeah, okay. <laughs> now, wait a second, Adam, because, because Alyssa's right there. Is it me or Alyssa? Um, you. Oh, yeah! <laughs> High five. Oh, that is awesome. That is awesome. Yes, I know. Absolutely. Okay, so they just have this. They just have this life about them, um, and there's just a joy about everything they do. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, Kim, who is an amazing decorator, um, every time winter or Christmas season comes around, she puts this little post out that has three different signs. Noah, can you explain what's on that sign? Um, it says, Hayrides, Pumpkins, and Cider. Okay, so when he first saw this sign, it said, Hayrides, Pumpkins, and Cider, and they're pointing to different things. What, you came over to our house and asked Miss Kim something. Do you remember what you asked? I asked if there was actually any apple cider and if I could have some. <laughs> and so Kim, was, Kim actually felt bad. She's like, Oh my gosh, I need to have apple cider for these guys. There's just, yes, uh, just an innocence in a life to a child, um, especially in this time of year. So I just wanted to ask these guys a few questions. Um, just real quick, we'll ask one that's the same as last night. What is your favorite Christmas cookie? Um, gingerbread. Gingerbread. Uh, Tree-shaped sugar cookie. Tree-shaped sugar cookie. All right, all right. Um, and then... Uh, again, one from last night. What? Why is Santa's tummy so big? Um, because he eats too much tutties. Because <laughs> he eats too much cookies. Too much cookies, okay. Well, part of it is because he eats too much cookies, and the other part is probably because he stops at a restaurant before he goes back to the North Pole. <laughs> hey, listen. This guy knows. Once you do a hard night's work, you go out to eat. That's what you do, and it creates a problem in your belly, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> okay, all right, it's good. All right, how about this? Would you guys rather, um, oh, sorry, that's my question. All right, um, would you guys rather get a big present or a bunch of small presents? A big present. Okay. A bunch of small presents. Okay. A big one. A big one, okay. Two bigs and a bunch of smalls. Uh, can you name an animal that was in uh, the stable with Jesus. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. D Adam, do you want to name one? Uh, no. Okay. A sheep. A sheep. A donkey. A donkey. Okay, very good. All right. All right, how about this one? This, one, this is going to be tough, all right? 
Do you hope to get more or less presents than your brother and sister? Um, more presents. Okay. Do you hope to get more or less than your brothers? Less. Less. Um, more. More. <laughs> All right, final question. If you could get your mom anything, anything in the world that you get, could get for her, what would you get her? What would you get your mom? A video game, Animal Crossing. A video game, Animal Crossing. Okay, that's awesome. I don't know. You don't know? Okay. A two-year vacation. <laughs> A two-year vacation. Okay. All right. That, they're, yeah, what do you guys... Okay, so last night I asked what would you get your dad? And he said a two-year vacation. So if I'm hearing this correct, you want them to go on vacation for two years. And where do you, where are you guys going to stay while they go? With Alyssa. With Alyssa! Yeah! <laughs> you guys, thank you so much. Give these guys a hand. You guys are awesome. Thank you. When I, asked, when I asked Stephen if they could, if they would be willing to let me interview their kids because of, of what we were talking about and just that wonder and joy, Stephen goes, oh my gosh, my little son, he's just, he's a, a living example of somebody living in just absolute wonder at all times. And actually, um, I was only going to interview him and he said yes to that until we got here last night and he's like, yeah, I'm not going to do it. And thankfully, my staff um, suggested as we were collaborating, okay, what do we do um, to ask all three of them? And when I, when I asked Adam, if your brother and sister will go, will you come up? And he's like, yeah, I'll do that. And, and so um, it worked out really good. Because one of the things that I don't know if you saw here, um, but even in just, how old is Noah? Nine. Is it nine, seven, five? Okay, so nine, seven, five. Just in, the, in that little age difference, you can see the innocence kind of starting to fade and leave, yes? And you can start to see that Noah's starting to begin to understand um, what we all know, which is, you know, we have to be maturing, right? And we need a vacation. Yeah, we need a vacation, absolutely. Um, and so it's just, it's interesting uh, that, um, you know, the, the innocence that God wanted us to live in um, the enemy has taken that away, and we can see that even in the life of, uh, of little kids. Uh, but Jesus says that we are supposed to be like little children. In Matthew 18, um, it, it's kind of the sim similar story, but it's, Jesus says some different words here, and uh, this one really cut me to the, to the heart. Matthew 18 says this, At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of God? Or in the kingdom of heaven. Now that's an interesting question. Who is the greatest? I think that's something that we probably all want to know. How do we become the greatest? How do we, I mean, that's just something that as we grow up, we kind of, that we kind of learn that in order to succeed in life, you have to strive to be the greatest of something. And so here these disciples are coming to Jesus. They've been with him for a while and they're saying, okay, how do, how do we become the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Now, we, we want the top seat. We want the top place next to you. And, and 
this is what he does. He says, he calls a little child to them, places the child among them, and then he says, truly I tell you, unless you change, listen to the words on this, church. Unless you change and become like a little, but become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. There it is again. Unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes this lowly, the lowly position of this child is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And so Jesus, that word caught me changed. So I looked it up. What, what, is, what is Jesus saying when he's asking us to change and become like a little child? First off, he is talking to a bunch of adults. He is talking to a group of people that are very much just like you and I. Okay? As a matter of fact, if I understand the story correct, he's talking to adults and he brings a child over into the mix to say, hey, unless you change and become like this little child, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Change means this, to turn, to change, to be converted, to change your direction, to go the other way to take an opposite or divergent course. Usually has a straight forth meaning, graphically illustrating dynamic change. So what God is saying here is this. Speaking to a bunch of grown-up, mature adults, just like you and I, and he's saying, unless you turn, take a different direction, change your course, have a dynamic change in your life and become like one of these little kids, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, um, I'm just going to have a little family discussion with you right now. Because to be quite honest with you, as I'm praying through this and I'm studying it, I find myself, uh, you know, a lot of times as pastor and when you get up as part of the teaching team, you want to come and you want to be able to give you a nice little pretty package wrapped up with a nice type of bow and say, okay, so here's what this means and this is what it looks like. Um, but I wrestled all week long. What does, what does this look like? What is Jesus actually encouraging us to do? What is he saying when he says, I want you to dynamically turn and change your direction and become like one of these little kids? And so I thought I would throw it out to you guys because maybe you've heard a teaching on this. Maybe you've got a revelation about this. What is Jesus saying when he says, come change and be like a little child? All right, hands are going up all over. Love it. Childlike faith is very simple. Okay. My grandchildren is a good example of that. And, and, a, and a little boy that I take care of, it's very simple. And I think God wants us to be simple and okay. not overthink our faith in him. Okay, you don't have to show your hands right now, but how many of you would call your life simple? How many of you, us have actually, God wants it to be simple, but we've created weight that we're not supposed to carry. And something about a little kid is they seem to not carry the weight, don't they? I, we had somebody last night share that she's a teacher and she's amazed at how many times these kids, they will be fighting just going at it, and two minutes later, their best friend's playing again. Anybody? It's crazy. That's good. Yep. Radical dependence on another. 
Kids have a radical dependence on their parents, right? Or, yeah, that's really good. And I think, and I'm going to talk about that, there's, there's a need for that in our lives, absolutely. Radical dependence on our Father. I would agree with that, but I would also include trust, dependence, and obedience. Talk about that a little bit, trust, dependence. <clears throat> well, children, um, instinctively, when they're born, they trust their parents. They trust mm. adults. Um, there's just a trust, and we're to trust God like a child trusts their parents. And they're dependent because they know that they can't make it on their own, and there's no shame in it. It's just a fact. And they're obedient because they trust their parents. So I think the three combined make a great relationship. Mm, it's good. Mm-hmm. She already said everything. She, oh, okay. <laughs> the, yeah, she's like, all right, I get, yeah. Ditto, ditto, okay. Somebody else. question huh can you repeat the question yeah. change jesus says change and become like a little child otherwise you will never enter the kingdom of heaven what does that look like to change and become like a little child does that mean we run around do do we start when we get off the stage <laughs> because if it does church is changing next weekend and i expect everybody to be running from the parking lot we will make sure it's not slippery out there, and you guys run, and we'll make sure doors are open so nobody runs, slams through the glass door. I, does that, is that what that means? Well, I mean, I, maybe. But. Um, I don't know how to like change fully, but when I look at kids, they don't really hide how they're feeling about anything. And if they don't want to be involved in something, it's known. <laughs> or if they do and are very excited about something, it's known. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's got to be something there with us being able to present our emotions and feelings to God like that. Yeah, but you know what? We've grown up where we, you know, we know it's we shouldn't show our right. We got to suppress so. those. Yeah, we, we need we're to, adults. I mean, if we're going to be adults and grown up and actually really function, we need to hide that that, that feeling, right? Um, could it be that a lot of times we blow up at people because we've been pushing stuff down so much that finally we lose our lid? Um, questions. Kids always ask questions about everything. And I feel like you don't need to stop asking questions. I'm a person that will constantly ask questions and I'm told I'm very childlike, but I think there's a reason behind that. Yeah. Okay. First off, if you are ever told you are childlike, is that a compliment? Well, now it's a compliment. Should be. That absolutely should be a compliment. But I think most people in the world today, if we said, Hey, if somebody called you childlike, is that a good thing or a bad thing? They would go, it's a bad thing. I would submit, hey, let's get away from that mentality. And if they're calling you childlike, then let's embrace that and be excited about that. But I love what you just said, Christina. Questions. Questions, questions, questions. Do you guys ask questions or do you tell people how it is? And is that what Jesus is saying? And change and become like a little child. I think a big one is they're present in the moment and they're not consumed with worry about the future. They're present in the moment. Okay, so yes or no, most of us are either in the past and we're consumed by what has taken place or we are in the future and worried about what's going to take place. And a kid is absolutely right there in the present. They don't care what's going to happen in the next five minutes. 
and they've already forgotten what took place five minutes ago. Yes? Unless you change and become like a little child, you will never enter the kingdom of God. Church, let's be a church that's more present to what we're going through right now. I sit in a church service like this when I'm not teaching and go, man, when's this guy going to be done? Yes? I'm not saying it. Not, I was hoping. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> no, good answer. Good answer. I, there's just something, as we get older, there's just something that, where we can't enjoy the present. Yes? We get so stuck in thinking about what's to come. What we got to do this afternoon, what we, that we lose and sometimes miss an opportunity to be awestruck and filled with wonder about what God is doing right now in our life. Somebody else. Kids are teachable. And with their parents, sometimes they, they like hang on every word. <laughs> How you doing? I, I won't even go into that. Just how you doing? Are you teachable? Or are you supposed to be the teacher? Must be teachable. I was going to say the same thing, but I'll just add that they're also like, they eat it up. So like, I think sometimes we don't eat it up, like whatever we're being taught. Sometimes we need to dive into it a little more and enjoy it. I love it. I, I will say this, I, as you're saying that, this is the thought that comes in my mind. This group of people eat it up. I, I, I mean, in the last few weeks and some of the interactions that we've had and just some of the things that people have said, Janelle sharing a couple weeks ago, share your favorite verse and why uh, and the life that came from You guys, you're eating it up. I love that. Well done, church. Well done. Somebody else? me, I guess it's two different things. Um, one of them is when a child is forgiven by their parent, the guilt is not there. They believe it and they walk away. Instead of as a grown-up where we tend to hold on to that guilt and God already forgave us of whatever the situation was. Um, another one I, for me is uh, when he gives us a gift, when a child gets a gift from their parent or whatever, their mind is blown. They're awestruck of it. And they, they don't downplay like, oh, I've gotten this before. It's whatever. Like, every single time is new. Every single time is amazing. Mm. Whereas a grown-up, it's like, oh, yeah, God's forgiven me before. Yeah, whatever. But it's not that way with kids. It's every time it's new. Right. You know what? I'm going to show you guys something right now because you just segue right into it. Uh, let's show this video.
<laughs> First off, thank you to my daughter for letting me show that video. Thank you so much. Um, <laughs> have you ever opened an alarm clock and were just so excited about that? I, I'm just... Shoe, I, I mean, maybe shoes, maybe, okay, but a lot. What? A lot lock! I mean, come on. I, we're just, where, where is it? But Luke, you bring it up, and that's exactly right. There is this element of wonder um, to everything for, for a little child. Okay, so I'm going to transition our interaction time right now to what, why, why don't we respond this way? What is it that steals this wonder and this awestruckness in, in our lives? What, what takes it away from us? Why, why don't we act like little children? Because I, think, because I think society has taught us not to. Okay. Has taught us not to be childlike. I mean, you reach a certain age, grow up. Okay. So would you guys all agree with that? Do you think God is saying grow up? According to what Jesus said, he looked at a bunch of grown-ups and said, stop being this way and change and be this. What else? What else hinders us from being? I think sometimes, um, like, as you grow up, you feel like you don't deserve what, like, the Father's given you or even, like, your parents in real life, you're like, oh, I don't deserve that because I've done blah, 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 blah. And so then it steals from the wonder. It steals from just the joy of being a kid because you have all this reasoning as to why you're not worth what's given to you. Oh, man. So good. So just even our own insecurities and our feeling that we don't live up to things. Um, church, is that from God or is that a lie? I mean, it's a lie. God... I think uh, mostly it's ingratitude, and we focus on what we don't have instead of what we do have. That's real good, oh, man, and ingratitude, yep. I think seeing, like, as me being younger, I think seeing older people having all these things, like, for me, it's like with my sister, she has, like, so much makeup, and it's, like, so fun to play with, and I'm like, I want to do that, or, like... For my family, our age for getting a phone is 12, and I'm 11. Um, <laughs> so I think it's like... A little bit of issue there, seeing, I can tell. <laughs> seeing like other people or older people having all this stuff, and you're like, I want to do that. So then you stop being like that younger, like, okay, I'm getting this, I'm getting this, and I'm fine with that. But you're like, okay, I want to get that, so I want to grow older, and I want to be a mature so I can have that. Wow, that is so insightful. Uh, from a child who doesn't even have a phone yet. I mean, can you even believe that? I'm just, just okay, so there's a comparison um, and, a, and a striving to be what you think. And you know what's interesting is uh, that's, a, that's an innocence that has been stolen away from us as we grow up because then we start to strive to get, and anybody strive to get something else and get there and realize, this was nothing like I thought it was. It's, you see the Facebook reel of what that person is with that thing, and you don't realize that 
a boat will cost you all of your money ever. And it's not as much fun as you think it is. Just that's what I've heard. I think uh, res responsibilities and pressure and work and bills and, you know, it starts to slowly creep in and, and grab your heart and take over your heart. You feel burdened. And then before you know it, you it's sucked out all the wonder because you're just doing the do. And not the Mountain Dew. But, yeah. Not because, even Mountain Dew brings you right. wonder because you're... Mountain Dew brings me wonder. Too I'm, stressed. Okay, so, yay! Somebody asked me last night, if you went to a party and had to bring one of your favorite things that was under $10, I was like, a Mountain Dew. I would bring a two-liter of Mountain Dew. And they're like, okay. Um, for me, it's honestly like... I want to earn it or have it like I did this. Like I almost don't want it to be gifted to me just from pride cuz like I want I want to be the reason that I got this not just handed to me from God. Man, who who is your parents? You must have an amazing mom. It's a good answer. I that absolutely. There's anybody else struggle with the desire you 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 got to do it. I you know and to accept the free gift from God. You know what? There are a lot of people in this world that haven't asked Jesus into their heart because they don't have an understanding that it's not about how good they are or aren't, but it's solely based on what God has done through Jesus at Christmas by sending him as, as his little son, Easter, and him dying for us. And it has nothing to do with whether you're good or not good. It has everything to do with the gift that your heavenly father wanted to give to you. And so if you feel like you are good enough to earn it or you're going to try to strive to be good enough to earn it, you're missing out on the heart of your Father in heaven who created you, which is this. Hey, it's not about what you do or don't do. It's solely about the gift I want to give to you and my son. And for anybody that has ears to hear that, receive that gift. Receive it. Um, I think for me it's like, it's too good to be true. Like the idea, I think that we've put our trust, even someone said as a, as a child, you, when you're born, you naturally want to trust your parents or adults. And I think we're human beings that mess up. And so when we put our trust in humans and in this world and it falls short, which happens every time, then we believe it's too good to be true on everything. And so we no longer have this perspective of, this is so amazing, and it just is, we always think that there's a catch. Or I think hope deferred makes the heart sick, mm. which hope deferred means you're always chasing after it. You're always chasing after it, and you can never catch it. And I think as adults, you're just like, I'm done. I'm done trying to even run to that because it's not obtainable. And I think truly, like, the only thing that is is Christ. Like, it's the only answer. And I think so in this world the idea of being like, wow, this is so amazing, is that it has such a high probability of failing you. Mm, that's so good, Peter. That is so good. We might have to have you come teach on that sometime. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have one little thing. I have this little saying I use for myself, and I call it, I am wherever I are. And I, that just, kind of added to that but like sometimes we go through these changes of life that are really extreme 
like I was living in Brazil a few years ago. I was from Utah and then I moved here and like they were just really big shifts. But I always like to come back to like thinking like where am I with God and just thinking about those good things that like where are you just in that absolute value of your soul? And it always kind of grounds me a little. That's really good. So um, thank you. That transition, you know, there's the things that hinder us. I, I'm going to go back to this. Truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like a little children or a little child, um, it, it's all of these things. I think what God was trying to communicate to us is this. Take a look at what children do and how they live their lives and do your very best to actually be present. I don't think God is asking us to run around crazy. To, I mean, after the, you watch, stay here for five to 10 minutes after the service, don't leave, and you watch the number of kids that will be running around this place going nuts, okay? I can't even imagine what that would look like if we all started doing that. I, so I, I, you know, I, I don't, that's not what I'm saying. So I hope you hear, I'm not asking all of us to start running around this church, but hey, it wouldn't hurt us to skip around every once in a while. It wouldn't hurt us to just, hey, you know what? I'm going to let everything go. And you know what? Jesus said that his burden is light. It says, you know, come to me all who are weary and burdened. Cast your cares upon him Take his yoke upon you because it's light and burden is easy. We're supposed to, that's how we're supposed to have kids get it. Kids get it and we struggle with it. I read a list of what kids look like uh, online. They live in the present, which Kim brought up. They have no concern about money, productivity, or being cool. <laughs> I'm going to read it again. They have no concern about money. How you doing? Productivity or being cool. They are, they, sorry, there are no limits to their imagination. They play and lose themselves in play. Ooh. They create with abandon. They are endless, endlessly curious and ask questions without end. And they love showing off to their parents. It was just one of the lists. There's all kinds of lists online. Let me finish by saying this. Mark 9, 15 says this. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, listen to the scripture. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were filled with awe and ran to greet him. As soon as the people saw Jesus, saw him. They hadn't heard a word yet. They saw him. They were filled with awe and ran to greet him. Church, I'm going to submit this to you. That when you put your eyes on Jesus, you will be filled with awe and wonder. And there will be something in your life that will just absolutely run to it. And you will be filled with that awe and that wonder when you begin to realize what Jesus has done for you and what he has done uh, on behalf of you, what the Father and how the Father loves you and cares for you. But we get so tangled up in this world and all the things that are going on and all the things that a mature adult are supposed to take and to all the weights and all of that that we're supposed to have that we lose the wonder of just simply looking upon Jesus. Don't raise your hand. You don't have to answer this, but here's my question to you. 
Did any of you wake up this morning and go, how am I breathing? How in the world is this? I, I didn't even think about it, but I've probably taken thousands of breaths and, and I'm just now thinking, I'm still breathing. Do you know that you have to have somewhere between 21 and 23% uh, oxygen level? If you go higher than that, we will die. If you have less than that, you, we will die. And we live on this weird circular planet that rotates around the sun with the perfect distance away from the sun that we won't burn up or we won't freeze that has the exact right amount of oxygen I believe the earth is at a 21.3 tilt or something like that. It's exactly right so that the sun is exactly what we need it to be. And this is one big cosmic accident. It's not a cosmic accident. It's not from some big bang where everything just fell into the line. It's because we have a creator and a father that loves and cares for us, each one of us. And yes, science has come in and explained a lot of things that make us who we are, but it doesn't explain how that happened. And when we combine science with God, it is an amazing, awe-inspiring thing that takes place. And we have made a mistake as a Christian church of separating the two. I want you to put them together. Put science and the awe of God together and begin to realize science has figured out you need 21 to 23% oxygen to breathe and be healthy. Be amazed that that's happening. Take what the scientists have said, but then put in the life of God and be awestruck by that. But to be honest with you, I wake up every morning and I take my breath absolutely for granted. I take for granted the fact that gravity is just right where I can walk around and just pretty much move around pretty simple. It's not that so strong that when I step off this, it smooshes me into a pancake. Or if I step off this, I'm up in the ceiling. I, we have a perfect... Do you ever think about that? And yes, science can explain it, but God created it. And we should be awestruck by that. But we have taken it for granted. We have let scientists put in the reasoning to that. And so then we go, hey, you know what? This is why it happens. And we dismiss God and we lose the awe and wonder that a little child has. While we pass the mic, a little child is amazed at a worm crawling around the ground. The color or shape of a leaf that is just starting to disintegrate, but they're amazed by that. Where is that in us? I have to say, just last night, I was trying to get Vince, my five-year-old, to sleep. I don't know why I'm getting emotional. But anyway, and so, like, we went from talking, he was talking to me about his racetrack and why the red car was slower than the green one, and he was upset about it because red is his favorite color. And, and then I'm, like, I'm trying to go. I'm like, okay, bud, okay, bud, I got to go. I got to go do the dishes. He's like, wait, 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 mom, mom, may I say one more thing? I was like, sure. And he goes, so... Who made God? And he starts asking, like, well, is, is, like, and trying to figure out, like, well, how old is Jesus? And, well, why is Jesus the same as God, but yet Jesus came to earth? And so, like, literally just last night, like, I've been trying to explain to him about how, well, I have no idea. But <laughs> he is, so we just have to continue on. But it's just, like, he literally just last night was like, well, who made God? Okay, so here's the thought that comes to my mind as you're sharing that. As a parent, she said, I, I got to get to my, my stuff. You need to go to bed. I got to get to my stuff. Um, and he says, can I ask you one more question? May, may I ask you one more question? You said yes. He asked that question. Did you stay there for a while? Oh, yeah. Listen, 
when your kid starts to ask you questions that really matter, as a father, as a mother, you will stay there for as long. You, you'll start dropping everything. You, you'll make phone calls and change schedules. and change. Hey, guess what? Your father in heaven, when you start asking him questions, I, I tell this to people all the time. If you're asking questions, that means you're just getting closer to an infinite God. And here's the beauty of it. When he answers a question, it doesn't, it doesn't create less questions. It actually que- creates more questions. So the very first question is, is there a God? Once you wrestle with that and once you go, I, yes, I believe that there's a God, that opens up many different questions. And I think that bothers a lot of people because they're like, well, man, I want all my questions answered. I would submit to you this, that if you're drawing closer to the infinite God because you're finite, you're going to have more questions the closer you get to him. And I believe it's our Father's greatest joy to answer those questions. And if you will have a mindset that goes, I see Jesus in this and be filled with awe and wonder, that's the heart of God. Habakkuk prays this prayer in chapter 3, verse 2. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Lord, repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. Read it one more time. Lord, I have heard your fame, of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. Ask God to make you keenly aware of even the simplest things that actually are absolutely awe-inspiring. And if you get into a pattern of that, then here's what begins to take place. You will begin to become more childlike. You will have more awe. You will have more wonder. And the more awe and wonder that you have, the more light you will be, the more crazy you'll be, the more you'll bounce around, and the more you'll be attractive to a world that is hurting and lost and looking for something awe-inspiring and wonderful. When something incredible happens to you, yes or no, if you have a great day, something wonderful happens to you, do you go into the grocery store and even care about how long the line is? You don't care because you're living in the abundance of life. Something wonderful has happened, and you're just like, okay, now here's my charge to you. Take those wonderful days, take those awe-struck days, and not only live in them for you, but realize that God has filled you with that wonder, filled you with that awe, so that you can bring light into this world. And if you're having one of those days, and you don't care how long the line is, don't just stand in the line. Start asking people questions. How are you doing today? What are you doing for Christmas? And look for God to begin to give you divine appointments where you can take the wonder and the awe that's in you, and you can begin to tell them that. And you don't have to be forceful. I'm not asking you to be some uh, evangelist that starts beating people over the head with the Bible. But you know what? If you are filled with wonder and awe and you just simply share that wonder and awe with other people, it is undeniable. And it brings an opportunity for you to plant seeds and water seeds and then let God come in and grow it. So church, let's be like little kids. Be filled with wonder. Be filled with awe. Whatever the Holy Spirit has spoke to you this morning about, take that in the next two weeks and let Christmas be a reminder of the gift that God has given to you. And instead of being so skeptical and crunchy, as my kids say, Dad, you're crunchy. Instead of being crunchy, hey, let's be awe-filled and filled with wonder and let's just enjoy every, every little thing. That guy cut me off. Thank God for cars. 
We get to choose how we respond. And we can respond from wonder or from the world. Heavenly Father, help us to choose you. I love that verse that says, when they saw you, they ran to you and they were filled with awe. God, we run to you as a church. We come before you and we ask that as we celebrate Christmas this year, you would fill us with wonder and awe. And God, I pray that every single person in this room would have a divine encounter with you as they focus on even some of the most mundane things in life and just how amazing they are. God, may they begin to see your love and your life and may you begin to speak to our hearts because Lord, I believe with all of my heart, the more we turn to you, the more clarity we have in hearing your voice. And so Lord, we wonder at the fact that you want to speak to each one of us, that you want a walking, talking relationship with each one of us. And so Lord, we give you our hearts and if you're in here this morning and you've never just asked Jesus to, to be inside of your life and be a part of your, your heart, the, the Bible says if you believe that Jesus is Lord, believe that God raised him from the dead, confess that, that you will be saved. And so I would just strongly encourage you, take what I've said today and just go before God and ask him if what I have said is true. And I believe with all of my heart the Lord will speak to you through the Holy Spirit. And so just invite him in to come in and be a part of that in your life. And you will, I promise, you'll be filled with wonder and awe. There's such great joy when we come to understanding the gift that the Father has given to us. And so, Lord, help us to walk in that joy, that wonder, and that awe. Lord, we thank you for these things in your name. Amen. Amen.